The Way to Glory is produced by CT Creative Studio in collaboration with Revelation Media and The Pilgrim's Progress. The movie, coming to theaters Easter weekend. For more information, keep listening or go to revelationmedia.com. A world away and still not far Like fabric woven into ours the dawn and shout out through the night and day is coming soon the journey of the christian life is a precarious undertaking full of setbacks failures and disappointments john bunyan's pilgrim's progress offers an unflinching look at the spiritual and emotional dangers we face along the way to the cross and eternal life in the celestial city Each week on The Way to Glory, we'll be following the story's protagonist, Christian, in another chapter on that journey. Join us this week as Joel Beakey leads us into book two of Pilgrim's Progress, Bunyan's sequel of sorts, to confront giant despair with Christiana and her ally, Mr. Greatheart. This is The Way to Glory, a Pilgrim's Progress podcast, presented by CT Creative Studio and Revelation Media. that I've run will be wise Hi, I'm your host, Richard Clark. One of the reasons that Christian is so relatable to us, I think, is actually kind of tragic. It's just this fact that Christian has a lot of friends as he goes, but for the most part, he journeys alone. And we relate to him because we're used to that kind of feeling of isolation of feeling like you're the only constant in your life. I think this is a way that we relate to Christian now more than people might have back then. This sort of shows us that Christian isn't necessarily meant to be a model for the Christian life. It's not like everything Christian does is the best way to do it. We actually know this because John Bunyan wrote a whole other book after Pilgrim's Progress. It was just called The Pilgrim's Progress Book Two. And it was in this book that he writes the story of Christiana and her family. This is the person that Christian left in the beginning of book one. Christian leaves Christiana and his family. A really hard moment for Christian, obviously. And it's sort of like the cliffhanger of book one is what's going to happen to his family. What we find is that Christiana and her family have a much easier time of it. In some way, it reads like a better case scenario for the Christian walk. My dad had a custom. I was the fourth child. By the time I was born, he was reading Pilgrim's Progress to our family in a Sunday evening family worship for about 30 minutes every Sunday evening without fail. Biggie's a pastor. He's president of Puritan Reformed Theological Seminary and founder of Reformation Heritage Books. My dad was excellent at explaining it. So as he would read, one of us kids or two of us or all five of us would sometimes jump in with questions. And my dad would set the book down and he'd talk to us about the Holy Spirit and how he would work this particular part uh, that he was reading in the hearts of God's people. And often he would, he, would, he would teach us with tears. When Bunyan wrote book two, 
he kind of made a statement that not everyone's pilgrimage or Christian journey is the same. The difference between Christian and Christiana's journey is remarkable. And I think one of the reasons for that is that they have different companions. Mr. Greatheart portions are pretty exciting as a child. I, I, I think I was kind of um, moved by Mr. Greatheart. Yeah, you saw him as like a heroic figure, like a superhero type. He can focus on others, not just on himself. And so he's, he's concerned about Christiana but he's also concerned about those around her and Mr. Ready to Halt. And he's just a, a caring father figure to believers. When he comes to, of course, giant despair, oh, he comes up to giant despair and says, you better get ready for a fight because I'm going to kill you. It is I, Greatheart, one of the king of the celestial countries, conductors of pilgrims to their place. And I demand of thee that thou open thy gates for my entrance. Prepare thyself also to fight, for I am come to take away thy head and to demolish Doubting Castle. And, the, and of course, giant despair is like, like Big Goliath. And Mr. Greatheart is, is, well, he's a little bit more formidable than, than, than Stripling David. Now giant despair, because he was a giant, thought no man could overcome him. And again thought he, since heretofore I have made a conquest of angels, shall Greatheart make me afraid? So he harnessed himself and went out. He had a cap of steel upon his head, a breastplate of fire girded to him, and he came out in iron shoes with a great club in his hand. But when he attacks giant despair, together, notice together with Christiana and the children, they right. all gang up on him. Then said he, who will go with me? Then said Old Honest, I will. And so will we too, said Christiana's four sons. What was it about Greatheart that, that impacted you? I mean, don't forget, Christian was already in glory. And I think Mr. Greatheart may well have been what Evangelist was to Christian in the first part of Pilgrim's Progress, huh, pointing out yeah. to him the way. Mr. Evangelist really was a pastor. And I think Mr. Greatheart, was the pastor to, in Christiana Part Two, to those who are already beyond the wicked gate, who are now Christians, and uh, he's he's shepherding them along. But uh, Greatheart was just a really loyal friend and protector to Christiana on her pilgrimage. He provided physical defense. He provided spiritual guidance. He had an uncanny ability to see Christiana's needs. His, his mercy helps Christiana, his mercy helps uh, Ready to Halt, and, and other characters all along the way. So he's kind of a hero. When Diffidence, the giantess, came up to help him, old Mr. Honest cut her down at one blow. Then they fought for their lives, and Giant Despair was brought down to the ground. He struggled hard, and had, as they say, as many lives as a cat. But Greatheart was his death, for he left him not till he had severed his head from his shoulders. It's really interesting to compare that scene with the, the uh, Doubting Castle, Giant Despair scene in the first book. In the first book, I feel like it's framed as something to avoid. And the, the mistake they make is sort of like trespassing on their property. And so you would think 
that in the next book, like if they're going to do the right thing, they're going to not trespass on his property, but they very much <laughs> trespass yeah. on Doubting Castle. But they, yeah, they take the offensive, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that's what a good pastor is supposed to do for you. He's supposed to teach you not only to, to live the Christian life in the defensive position, mm -hmm. but through training you in the spiritual disciplines and other means of grace and teaching you about all the Ephesians 6 armor for the Christian soldier. He's to prepare you to go on the offensive against Satan. You are responsible as, as a minister of the gospel to teach your people what, what, what the old Puritans called fight or flight. So if you're weak in an area, the Puritans would say, and Bunyan would be among them, you do stay away from the property of giant despair. Yeah. So let's say I'm a, I'm a recovering alcoholic. God has not called me to be an evangelist in a bar because I've got a weakness. And so I need to avoid alcohol. I need to stay far away from it, flee from it. Mm -hmm. If, however, I've been wonderfully saved and I have a burden to go evangelize in the bar and I've got no temptation from alcohol, maybe I just need to go in and evangelize people in the bar and uh, fight giant despair and all the other satanic enemies of the unbeliever uh, head on. Then they fell to demolishing Downing Castle, and that might with ease be done, since Giant Despair was dead. They were seven days in destroying of that, and in it of pilgrims they found one Mr. Despondency, almost starved to death, and one much afraid, his daughter. These two they saved alive, but it would have made you wonder to have seen the dead bodies that lay here and there in the castle yard, and how full of dead men's bones the dungeon was. The Way to Glory is produced in partnership with Revelation Media in anticipation of their upcoming film, The Pilgrim's Progress, coming to theaters Easter weekend. I spoke with producer and writer Steve Cleary about his hopes and visions for the film. You mentioned you hope to someday make a sequel of the movie based on part two of the book. Is there any overlap between the two in this movie? Yeah, Christian has a burden and he's seeking to find the truth and trying to set an example to save others to reach the celestial city. And he has left his family. He cares about his family and he wants his family to follow. And we know this to be true in Bunyan's heart because part two is his wife's journey. Obviously you want your family to be saved. It's not some selfish thing where you're gonna leave and you're gonna try to gain glory. But what Christian has to learn is that every person has to decide for themselves. And it doesn't matter if it's your, if it's your spouse, if it's your children that are growing up, it's gonna to come to a point where they're gonna to have to decide which path they're gonna walk on. To partner in their efforts in translation and distribution, and to download a free animated Pilgrim's Progress ebook, go to revelationmedia.com. The fact that Bunyan wrote part two to me says a lot in terms of how he wants the first part to be read you know what i mean in the in the way that you just talked about it's more descriptive maybe than prescriptive or that people have different experiences of salvation and the christian walk it's sort of like two extremely different examples of what that might look like so here's here's what happens bunyan writes grace abounding he's that's his own experience at face value but he also wants to edify God's people through how the Lord has led him. So he wrote Pilgrim's Progress really as his allegorical autobiography. This is what Bunyan went through. Yeah. The first part. Then in, when he married his second wife, 
but you can see her say, um, uh, John, honey, I, I, I love your, your autobiography. I also love the way you allegorize it in Pilgrim's Progress. But my dear, you know that a lot of people are reading this book now, and not everybody stayed so long in the slew of despond, and not everyone had so many terrifying experiences along the way. So maybe you should write a second part that talks about how someone like I was led and children who are saved, who are led, and particularly people who are being led along the way through a shepherding pastor like, like Mr. Greatheart ends up being. Someone said to me once this, you know, when I read the first part of Pilgrim's Progress, there's so much activity. It's such an exciting book. The second part, it seems to me that Christiana just has too easy of a time of it. Mm, yeah. And uh, But then that person said, then it dawned on me. She's being pastored by Mr. Greatheart all along the way. Uh-huh. And when you're being pastored faithfully, you can avoid some of these depths and some of these extremes because you get spiritual guidance along the way. Because I think Bunyan is saying this is the more normative experience for a believer who grows up in the church and he goes through the slew of despond. Remember, her ankles get dirty, but she doesn't plunge into it and wallow in it for a long time. And, and so the conviction of sin is often not as deep initially because that, that person's being pastored along the way. He's saying, uh, as he wrote somewhere, following Richard Sibbs, that the New Testament church's second greatest gift is a faithful pastor. The first is, of course, the Holy Spirit himself. Christiana and the boys seem to have, a, have an easier time of it because they're receiving faithful pastoring. And the climax of that, of course, is when Mr. Greatheart takes on giant despair and uh, just, just cuts his head off. You mentioned earlier that like Bunyan was in some way writing himself into the book through Great Heart. I'm just curious like what you think that tells us about Bunyan. Well, Bunyan had this wonderful ability to relate to the common man. The famous anecdote of uh, John Owen that if he could preach to the popular man the way that Bunyan could, he would gladly trade all his gifts of education and all his writings for Bunyan's gift. Bunyan was a, a populist. He, he knew how to relate to the common man on the street. He was warm with people. His personality was bigger than life. He was, in a sense, he was like Luther that way, uh, open and um, congenial, but also very serious and godly. And that combination attracts the God-fearing because Bunyan is the kind of figure you'd say, you know what? There's a man I want to go to for counseling. He's gone through a lot in his life. I mean, he's been in jail. He's he's gone through difficulties, and he's honest. He tells me the truth. He tells it like it is, and uh, I I think I want to go to my pastor for advice. And that that's the kind of figure Greatheart comes across as. He's this warm, counseling, uh, protecting, loyal type of a brother who, or father figure who helps you all along the way. Bunyan was left to rot in a jail cell. He definitely could have afforded to feel a little bit sorry for himself. Maybe he even did. But he also put an immense amount of work into something that would benefit others. Really, it's this idea of having a heart that expands. Really, what makes Great Heart Great Heart is that he made the most of his situation in life to help others actively. 
It doesn't always pay off in the short run, especially not for you. But when we reach out to others, the impact of that can often go far beyond what we see in the moment. I want to break this down a little bit with the whole narrative scope of Pilgrim's Progress book one and book two. Just kind of stay with me if you can. So in the first book, Christian is sort of dragged into Doubting Castle, and he has a really hard time with giant despair. You wouldn't say he's thriving in that moment. He just kind of barely survives. And instead of just running away, though, he does take a moment to leave up a pillar. He spells out the dangers within that area, and we talk about that in our Great Despair episode. But then, in book two, Christiana and Greatheart stumble onto this pillar. And it's that moment, they actually stop, and they they don't choose to avoid Doubting Castle. They actually choose to go into it and solve the problem once and for all by killing Giant Despair. Now, when they did that, they weren't concerned about themselves. They were concerned about who would follow after them. They saw that sign and they said, okay, well, that shouldn't be there. There shouldn't be a doubting castle. There shouldn't be a giant despair. So let's do something about it. And that meant you would speculate that the next traveler would have a much more easy time of their pilgrimage. And then outside of Pilgrim's Progress, we just kind of pull out of the book and we look at who's writing it, right? John Bunyan is writing Pilgrim's Progress from a jail cell. And he's thinking of all these people who would read it. And certainly for generations, people read this book and were greatly helped by it. But then you look at the concrete thing of Joel Beakey's father reading this book to him, through tears sometimes, and to his entire family. And a number of people in that family actually become pastors. They become ministers. They become people who impact other people, and so on and so on and so on. That's how it works. I want to be a Mr. Greatheart to everyone around me. And I want, I want some Mr. Great Hearts in my own life, too, because I'm also needy at times and need advice and counsel and wisdom. And I've got people I can go to who can serve that role for me. The goal of being a Christian in Romans 8.29 is not just to squeak by and just be barely saved and then go to heaven. Paul says the goal is that we are predestinated to be conformed to the image of Christ. So mature people like Mr. Greatheart become more and more like Christ. They look more and more like Christ. They talk more. They smell more like Christ. It's just something beautiful to see a mature Christian because you see Christ in that person. There is a far kingdom ways from here beyond the storm and the sea It's possible that as a child, Beaky felt that his parents lived quaint, mundane lives. It's possible that he thought his family life was boring when he was a child. But in reality, every night they read that book or did anything to actively address their kids' spiritual welfare, they were assaulting Doubting Castle, just ripping that giant to shreds. That assault wasn't out of some felt need. It wasn't something people asked for and then received. It was a proactive way to address the needs of those who would become adults in the future. And they're also addressing the needs of people who don't even exist yet. The impact of having a heart that turns outward is everything. And it can come from any of us. 
no matter who we are, if we're a put-upon dad, if we're, if we're a busy single person, if we are an inmate locked in prison, we have the ability to turn our hearts outward and to expand our hearts with care and concern for others. Look, we all do what we can. Sometimes we're like Christian. We're just lucky to make it out of Downing Castle alive and happy to tell others our story. That's fine. But other times we can take part in helping to destroy the problems in the first place for everybody or for those closest to us. But we can't do this if we're focused on ourselves. We have to look outside of ourselves, outside of our homes, outside of our families and consider the needs and dangers that lurk out there for everybody. It's easy to get stuck in this life, in our routines, in cycles that were handed down to us from generations ago. But it's heartening to think that we might not only be able to break those cycles, we might be able to destroy them altogether for a whole other generation. Information on how you can watch and support Revelation Media's upcoming movie, The Pilgrim's Progress, can be found at revelationmedia.com. This episode was written and produced by myself, Richard Clark, and Cray Allred. Narration by Marissa Torado. Theme music is Shadows of the Dawn by The Grey Havens from their album, Ghost of a King. Additional music by The Grey Havens and Sweeps. And I'm still that far, 